You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, a Q&A episode on rebuilding credit, where to get started, having money conversations with your partner, and much more. T-minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. Okay, before we hop into the episode, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Empower. One of the most asked questions from listeners that I get is, how can I save more and reach my goals? And I usually reply with, you have to make it easy and automated as much as possible. So I'm always on the lookout for solutions for you to do just that, make saving easy and automatic. Today's sponsor, Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, is an awesome mobile app that makes saving and managing your money the easiest thing you can do all day. For starters, Empower has an automated savings feature. You can simply tell the app your weekly savings target, and every day, Empower studies your income and spending and automatically knows when to move the right amount of money into your savings account where you're less likely to spend it. It's called autosave. Just set it and forget it. You even get access to a human coach that you can text for personalized finance questions. Download Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R in the App Store or Play Store. I downloaded the app myself because you know that I have to give things a try before I recommend them. And I really like it. It's super simple and easy to get started. And for journeyers, that's you, you get $5 when you use the offer code Journey and reach your savings goals. Visit empower.me slash journey for more details. On today's episode, I am doing a question and answer episode. So you guys submitted some questions. I'm sorry, some of these questions were submitted a few weeks ago, maybe some months, but shh, don't tell anyone. But I am finally getting around to being able to answer your questions. So if you recently sent me in a voicemail, listen up. And if you want to send me a voicemail for me to answer, go to journeytolaunch.com slash voicemail. You can leave a voicemail question and then I will answer it when I get some time. But I actually love doing these episodes because I get to really just give my opinion on what's going on and actually hear your voice and or you send a question in to me that I can answer. Now, we're going to be discussing a lot of random topics, but they all lead back to one thing, and that's living your best life when it comes to money. So we have a credit question, how to get started question, how to have a money conversation and get on the same page financially with your partner, a question about the Financial Freedom Summit versus FinCon. And then the last question is all about basically someone asking if they should become an entrepreneur and they feel like if they do that, they may be leaving or not serving their community. So lots of great discussion for you to get into. Now, this is episode 145. So I'm going to be talking about a lot of links in here because I'm going to refer back to previous episodes and resources for you. But if you need to remember any links at all, remember this one, journeytolaunch.com slash episode 145. You put that in your browser, it's going to bring you up to the episode show notes page on my website where you'll get all the links to everything that I mention. The one thing I also mentioned in this episode was my new jumpstart guide. So if you are new or you are a listener that's been here for a while, this jumpstart guide is totally free and it just helps you figure out how to get started, how to orient 
yourself to Journey to Launch, where you are in the journey or stages. You'll hear more about that in the episode and all of the things. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your free jumpstart guide to financial freedom or text launch to 33777 to download your free journey or jumpstart guide now. If you are enjoying this episode, don't forget to share it with your family and friends. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Journey to Launch. So tag me, let me know you're listening to the episode so I can see it and repost it and just say thank you. Okay, this first question that we're gonna get in voicemail is from Cherish. She has a question about building up credit. Hi, I have learned so much from your podcast and other podcasts and bloggers that I've been keeping up with that I did a presentation at work on some of the things I've learned and I've been getting a lot of questions. One of them was from my coworker who was trying to rebuild her credit. She hired someone and he has told her not to pay any of her balances, even the ones that she was current on. And she's been getting messages that they're being closed and her accounts are being closed. So her credit score just tanked. I told her that I've heard that you're supposed to be building good credit while your person is getting rid of the bad credit. And she said he did tell her to open a credit card, but she didn't know why he was telling her that. And she was scared to open credit. So she didn't. And her, so her score is now in like the 500s. So I have heard about secured cards. So I wanted to know for someone who has someone that they've hired to work on their credit and that person is disputing and trying to get that debt lowered, is a secure card the best way to build up their credit? And can she apply for a secured card if her score is as low as 500? All right. Thanks so much. Cherish. Great job, first of all, on spreading the word about what you're learning via my podcast and other resources that you are getting information from. This is really like how the wealth of knowledge is spread. So good for you in creating a presentation and getting feedback and buy-in from the people around you. Okay, so about your question on credit. Now, the first thing when I listened to your voicemail that stood out to me was the fact that you said your coworker or friend didn't know the reason why this person was telling her to open up a credit card. So that's like the first red flag for me. And this really goes for anyone listening. If you are working with anyone that's helping you, especially financially in any area of your life, really, um, you should be able to ask them questions. And so it's a red flag for me that he told her to do something that she didn't know why he was telling her to do that. So he told her to open up a card and she's just not sure why. So one, this involves asking questions. So I don't know if the problem was she didn't know that she could ask the question or was intimidated by him or whatever the situation, but you have to ask questions, especially if you're paying someone to help you in this situation, because you do want to fully understand what it is they're telling you to do. And I could totally understand why she is afraid to maybe open up a card because depending on her current situation. And so I can't really like answer about the credit without knowing everything. But if she's in this situation, it's more than likely that she does maybe have a issue with how she spends on a credit card. So of course, she's going to be a little bit afraid to open up something like that. So I can totally understand her reservation. But yes, she can open up a secured credit card. A secured credit card for anyone who is just curious is a way that you can reestablish your credit 
it requires a cash security deposit. So an unsecured card, you don't need to put up any money. But a secured card means that the issuer, the credit card issuer wants you to deposit some money. It depends on how much, but it allows you to open up a secured card against that deposit to protect the issuer in case you don't pay your bill. And there's less risk to the issuer and it's generally easier to qualify for. So yes, people with bad credit or credit that they're rebuilding can typically get a secured credit card. Now for the other questions, like maybe if she should have stopped paying, like all that, you know, I'm not sure of because I don't know her complete situation and what the plan is that this man has for her. But I'd say this, I had on Shantae Harris on the podcast from Financial Common Sense on episode 37. So I would direct you to tell her to go listen to episode 37. That's journey to launch.com slash episode 37 and listen to Shantae and check out some of the resources that Shantae had. So the reason why I like Shantae and what she does is that she teaches you how to rebuild your own credit. So she has tons of great resources on how to do that. She has a really great Facebook group that shares that information. And then, of course, like if you needed more help, like she would be able to help you. But what I really like is that she gives you the tools to do it yourself. So I would actually start with that episode. She actually came into the Money Launch Club and did a credit class, which was epic, by the way. But I'd start with going to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 37 to check out the resources there and to listen to the podcast. Um, and this is for anyone who has credit questions or is in the process of rebuilding their credit. That way you can start to just get a basic understanding of what it is that you need to start working on and do and what you should be um, concerned about when building credit. I really hope um, the best for your friend. My my one takeaway, though, for anyone listening is more about asking questions. So I would never want you or a journeyer to feel like, you're in a position where someone's telling you to do something and it's just literally like it's it affects your credit, it affects your life, but you don't understand why they're telling you. So this is a moment to definitely ask questions, even if you don't know what to ask. You know, you say, I don't understand. What do you mean? Why am I doing this? And this goes to every area of your life, but especially, especially when it comes to money. So check out those resources I just mentioned and I hope it works out for the best for her and let me know how it goes. Okay, next question is from Tanya on investing. Hello, my name is Tanya. I would like to know how would I, as a beginner, begin to start investing? I do have a 401k plan and a 457. And the next question is, can I have a self brokerage account along with my 401k plan and my 457 plan. Thank you. Hey, Tanya, thanks for that question. Okay, I really actually love this question because I think this is really a basic but necessary question that a lot of people um, get not mixed up about but just don't understand. So here's the thing. You definitely are an investor. So if you have a 401k or 457 plan or just a Roth IRA, which I'll explain what all those accounts are, just in case you don't know, you are an investor. So when you say, can I start investing? Yes, you totally can start investing because sometimes people think, oh, like they think of investing as, oh, I need to open up like a taxable account and just trade stocks. And that's when I'm an investor. But it's like literally, if you're listening to this, you're most likely already an investor because you probably have a 401k 
or some company sponsored plan if you're if you're lucky enough. I know not everyone has that. So my main thing is to just kind of break down what those accounts mean and then how you can use them, Tanya, and then anyone else who's curious about this. So the way you can start investing is utilizing your pre-tax or post-tax retirement advantage accounts. And so a 401k and a 457 is a retirement account and they're pre-tax, meaning when you put money into those accounts, they're not taxed by the government yet. But when you pull money out of them in future years, they will be taxed. So if you pull them out early, there's going to be a penalty. So it's always recommended to keep them in until you can withdraw them without penalties. But when you have accounts like that, you can then invest in assets. So whether that is an index fund or a mutual fund or even stocks, bonds, you can literally see what your plans allow you to invest in. So this is anyone, I want you to, if you have a 401k or 457 plan or company sponsored pre-tax retirement plan, go in and check out your investment options. Because sometimes you're currently invested in something you don't even know you're invested in, or maybe it's really not optimal for you. Maybe the fees are too high because you just even understand where you were invested. So first step is to get your login information or call the plan provider and really get an understanding of where you're currently invested, if you're currently investing, or how you can start. And the best way to do that is to look at the options. So what are the options? Do you have access to a index fund in this account? And do you have access to a mutual fund? What are the options that you have Look at the returns that those accounts have had over a time period, you know, over the last year, five years, what has been the return? And then look at the fees. Are the fees low? Are the fees high? Right. So understanding that will then allow you to make the best investment decision for you. Now, your other question about opening up a brokerage account, self-directed. Yes. So if you have a 401k or 457 plan or a Roth IRA, which is a Roth IRA is an after tax retirement plan, then you can still open up a brokerage account. Brokerage account means it's a taxable investment account. That means there's no tax advantage to it. So with a pre-tax retirement account, like a 401k or 457, you are avoiding paying money on taxes today, but you'll pay money on taxes, pay taxes on the money when you withdraw them. With a Roth IRA account, you are actually investing in in a retirement account, but with money that's already taxed. So when you pull that money out in retirement, you're not paying any taxes on it because you pay taxes already. And that accounts for the gains also. Now with a brokerage account or a taxable investment account, meaning this not retirement advantage, you're going to pay on any gains that you make. So for most people, it's going to be the best way to take advantage and to optimize things is to take advantage of your retirement account investing first because the government actually wants you to invest long-term. They don't want to have to take care of you. They can't take care of everyone, right? Um, in their old, in, in old age and social security can't handle all expenses for everyone. So they actually encourage people to invest for the long-term with these pre-tax retirement accounts by giving you tax breaks. Now it's going to depend on which one you invest in first, depending on most likely your income level. So typically if you're in a higher income bracket, it's best to invest pre-tax, your money pre-tax. So you shield as much money away from taxes today. And then when you withdraw it in your later years, and maybe you're not earning as much because you're not actively working, you pay less taxes. 
And then perhaps if you're more in the low to mid income range, you invest more in a Roth IRA, which is after tax investing first. Main point is if you do have a company match, so if your company will match you depending on how much you put in, you always go there first, no matter how much you earn, because it's technically quote unquote free money. But before you consider opening up a taxable investing account, meaning there's no tax advantages to opening up this account, I want you to first look at your options in your 401k and 457 plan, if they're available to you, and a Roth IRA. You should be diverting most of, or if not all of your money there first. And if there's any money left over, or you have certain goals you want to reach that you don't want to have within a retirement account, then look at a brokerage account. But for most people, especially if you're just starting out and you don't really understand investing, you're going to want to invest long term to make sure that you're taking care of your future. And so that's going to look like investing in your 401k plan, your 457 plan and or Roth plan. I hope that helps, Tanya. Um, good luck with investing. Let me know. Send another voicemail when you start looking at your plans and what's available to you. My my next and probably final tip is to not get too overwhelmed. That happens often when you start to kind of look into this stuff. It's just to keep digging, keep asking questions, but you're definitely on the right track. All right. The next two voicemails are from Amelia and Kyra. I figured that I would just batch them kind of together because the questions were around the same topic on how to get started. Okay. So let's listen into their questions. Let me start off by saying I love your podcast. I love your podcast and you're simply amazing. My name is Amelia. I've been in the military for 13 years and I stumbled across fire and I want to be on fire. My question is, how does one become it? How does one become fire? I've, I've followed the podcast. I've also followed Rich and Regular, but I don't have social media. I did a detox a couple of years ago so that I could graduate college. I finally graduated college and I've never looked back. I am on Pinterest, but where and how can I get information on how to truly become Fire. If you could do a podcast on the steps to become fire, things that a person needs to do, that would be awesome. I love you and keep doing what you're doing. Hi, uh, my name is Kyra and I'm new to your journey to launch family. Thank you for the very warm welcome. Um, so far, I've been just listening to your podcast and I'm enjoying all the wonderful pearls that you're giving us. So I appreciate that. Thank you very much for being my inspiration. And like I said, sharing your journey. Um, I just do have a few questions and um, just a little bit about myself. So I'm 26 years old. I just finished graduate school and started my first job um, in corporate America. I make 68000 a year. Um, however, I live in Boston, so there's not that much. Basically, I just kind of feel overwhelmed with life. Um, I come from a middle-class family, but my mother was very poor with her money um, and spending habits and is still very poor with her spending habits. And that's not the life that I want for myself. However, I just don't know where to start being that I don't make that much money. Um, I'm already kind of living paycheck to paycheck. So any help that you can provide, I don't know know if you have the time. I don't even know if you'll hear this message. Um, But any help that you can provide, any advice that you can provide. I know I'll I'll keep listening um, to your podcast, but any help is great. All right. So first, let's start with Amelia. Um, Even though they're going to be kind of both uh, around similar answers, I just want to address Amelia first. 
Thank you so much. I'm so glad you're enjoying the content. And yes, I love Rich and Regular also. Um, I'll link that episode for everyone in the show notes for this episode. And yet you don't need social media to get on this journey to complete and to reach your goals. Um, it's helpful in the case of if you need like, you know, the extra motivation to follow people who are also doing the same thing as you, but you don't need it. And then um, with Kyra, we're definitely going to touch upon where you can get started. But for me, I felt like both questions all stemmed around becoming financially independent, like what's the first few steps, how to do it. And it can definitely seem overwhelming if you've never heard of this concept before, or if it's all new to you, and especially if no one in your real life is doing this. So I'd say this, the first step is that you really need to understand where you currently are. And so this is a step that I tell everyone to do, no matter if you are like advanced, as an advanced journey, or you're just starting but really understanding where you currently are, like what your financial picture looks like. So assessing that. So that's going to look like how much money you bring in, like understanding what that number is every month um, on an annual basis, but really on a monthly basis, what's coming in. Then you're going to want to understand what's going out, right? So really just looking at income minus expenses, what's happening there? Like where are you spending? Where are you earning? Where are the opportunities to optimize what you're spending? And where are the opportunities to earn more? And you're going to want to understand that because without understanding where you are currently, it's going to be hard to understand where you're going. So not only income and expenses, but do you owe debt? How much debt? Where are you with your savings? Do you have emergency savings? Do you not, right? So really just a full picture of your current situation. Then that will allow you to start thinking about where you want to go, right? So this idea of financial independence, it's different. Like the goal or the number is going to be different for everyone, It's going to be different based on what you want your future to look like, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you're super frugal, or if you are more into luxurious things, right? So it's going to look different for everyone. So your number, right, like what it takes for you to reach complete financial independence in the terms of never working again, that's going to look different for everyone. But I've broken them down into stages. So I came up with this um, concept of journeyer stages. So if you are a journeyer and you're on this journey with me, then you more than likely fall into one of these five journeyer stages. I'm going to quickly go through it, but I've also made a quick start guide because one of the things that was happening, people would find my content and be wondering, where do I start? And so I thought, you know what? Let me create a free jumpstart guide for everyone. So that way, if you find me for the first time, or maybe you've been listening for a while, you just want like a way in which you can really understand like where you should go, what's the first step and all that. So go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your free jumpstart guide. And I'm just going to go through the journeyer stages. I also actually did some episodes on this, which I will talk about in a bit. But essentially, journeyers, if you're reaching or wanting to reach financial independence, there are going to be different stages that you have to go through, right? And so most people, if they're just, just finding out, they're going to start in the beginning stages as someone who's working on financial stability. An explorer is what I call them. So that means you really want to just get financially stable. It could mean that you're in the red every month and you're unorganized with your finances. Maybe you're barely making do and you just want to get stable, right? So that's like your first step is just getting stable, being able to pay your expenses without going into the red or into debt every month. You need to get organized. Once you get organized and you're not able to pay your bills consistently, Now the next level to that, level two, or journey or stage two, I call the cadet level. So 
here's where you're on stable terms, but now you have some work to do because you're getting out of debt. You're working on becoming debt-free. So for some people, this stage can take a long time depending on how much debt you're in, how much income you earn, or how much how your expenses are, right? So this is where you're gonna want to focus on getting rid of consumer debt. So your highest interest rate debts, mostly credit cards, you're working on getting rid of that so that you can begin to build wealth. So you're focusing on paying off consumer debt. In some cases, you may still invest. So I'm a, I'm a fan of investing while still in debt, having a more balanced approach. But really, your focus here is paying off debt. Now, you'll see as you go through the stages. So stage two cadet paying off debt is more about getting debt free. But once you are, for the most part, debt free, other than maybe a, you know, a high interest or high balance, I should say, student loan or mortgage. It's like, so once you get to that point where you maybe only have some, that kind of debt that is strategically held or, you know, it's going to take you a really long time to get out of, you have now reached the aviator stage. So you're mostly debt free other than strategically held debt, but you're focusing on saving an investor. So I call this the aviator stage. So you're working on building your assets and your investment. Again, this is a stage that may take a long time for people because it's gonna really depend on what your goals are and what financial independence and freedom looks like for you, right? And so if you're someone who is going to need more money to live because you're not willing to settle or compromise on certain lifestyle changes, then you're gonna need more money, which means you're gonna need to save and invest more money. So this aviator stage of working and saving and investing money, right? Because here's the beauty of it. After you've become debt-free or you're mostly debt-free, money that you were putting towards debt and paying other people, you no longer have to do. Now, all the money that comes in, you get to decide where it goes, right? There's not too many hands now coming in and taking out of your paycheck. You decide you're in full control of where your money goes. So that aviator stage feels really good because now you can direct where your income goes after you pay your expenses. Stage four or journey or stage four is the commander level. Now, I always say that this is a stage I think everyone can get to. I don't care like where your starting point is or how late you start, but this commander stage is where you are in a work flexibility or you're working towards complete work flexibility and options. So here's where you can really decide what you do for work. So let's just say you are in a, a miserable work environment or something that's not serving your soul, you can change that environment because you have enough financial security to do that. Maybe you have enough FU money saved and you have your emergency money saved up and you have all your bills together. So you're in a stage right now where you can choose what you want to do. Maybe you change careers or you decide to go back to school or you take some time off to raise a family or start a business like I did. So I'm currently in stage four, the commander stage myself. So that's the next stage. And then the final ultimate stage is where you do have enough money never to have to work again because you have invested and saved and created a portfolio that allows you to do that. And that is stage five captain. So I went through all those stages just to give you a kind of overview because when people talk about, okay, where do I start? It's overwhelming. Yes. If you look at, if you are a explorer just starting and you want to be a captain right away, so you're from level one and you're just like in the red every month and you're like, well, I just, I don't want to ever work again. When you think of making that big leap to that level, it's overwhelming because you're like, wait, how do I get from where I currently am to this place that I ultimately want to be? It seems so far away. So I created the stages. So to break down how it can be achievable, like how you go through each stage. I talk about the stages more 
in one of my podcast episodes, episode 112. So if you want to also see or hear more about the stages, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 112. I also do this in the jumpstart guide. So if you're going to download the jumpstart guide, you'll get that there at journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart, where you'll be able to see the stages and where you currently are. So let's just go back to Amelia and Kyra's question. So for Amelia, what I would say is look at where you are on the journey or stage, where you currently are, what level you are, and then what you need to focus on. Maybe you find that you're still in the cadet stage. You're still paying off debt. So you know that right now your focus is paying off debt, becoming debt-free. Once you become debt-free, then you can focus all your full attention on investing and saving for your other goals. But you won't know that until you assess where you are, right? So how long will it take for you to get become debt-free? And maybe, you know, it takes you a couple years. Perhaps you are at the stage where you are an aviator already and you don't have that much debt and you're now looking at how much do I need to be financially secure? How much does that look like? You know, when when would I hit $100,000 saved and invested or $100,000 of net worth, right? You will start to plan that out based on how much money you can expect to bring in and spend over time. So it's literally just looking at where you are currently where your goals are, and the steps that you need to take. Now, for Kyra, I just wanted to mention, so you talked about being a little bit overwhelmed with life. And it sounds like the both of you actually are in your 20s, like you both recently graduated, which is amazing, by the way, because honestly, I wish I would have known all of this in my 20s. I'd be so much further ahead. But the fact that you are already addressing these things, you are on the right path. Um, and so I want you to, first of all, just breathe. Um, I know it can feel overwhelming to hear all this information at once, but understand that the fact that you're asking the question and that you're interested in this stuff is already, you are so far ahead than so many people who are not even aware. So in terms of really getting started, again, it's the same thing, assessment. Where are you? What are your goals? How can you reach your debt-free goals, your saving and investing goals? And then remember, here's the thing that everyone listening needs to remember this is going to take you some time, okay? So unless you're earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and it's only spending a couple thousand, this will take you years and it's supposed to actually take you years. Um, I believe that the journey is actually the most important part of this whole thing. And so I know that we all have goals and we just want to be debt-free. We want to have the million dollars. We want to never work again and all those things. But literally, if that was handed to you tomorrow, um, I actually will. I should speak for myself, but I'm going to kind of speak for everyone here. And I really do believe that that is actually not what the goal of life is. The goal of life is to discover who you are on the journey, is to enjoy and learn on the journey. And so the discipline, the grit, the excitement of learning a new skill, of challenging yourself, of finding things you can love on the journey, that's the joy of life. So while it can be overwhelming and while maybe when you sit down and you realize, oh my gosh, it's going to take me five years to pay this debt off. Or wow, based on how much I earn and save and spend, it's going to take me 15 years to get to $500,000 in my portfolio. And that may seem like, wow, that's a long time. But I want you to focus on the enjoyment and quality of the journey too. And it's possible to enjoy the journey while working on the goals. So I just wanted, I went on a little rant there because I feel like it's so important because starting and finding out about this information is so amazing because you're just like, 
where has this been all my life? <laughs> Why did I know about it before? But then it also causes you to get a little anxious, especially when you feel like you're so far away or you don't know what to do. And I'm here to remind you, if you needed a reminder, that you are just the mere fact that you're listening to this episode, you are on the right path. So I hope that helps. I hope some of the resources that I link to in the show notes here will also help you. Once again, check out the journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. That's a jumpstart guide that will help anyone, whether you're new or you're returning journeyer, figure out your next steps. And then check out some other episodes of the podcast where I talk about just more of financial independence, what it is, how you reach it, and then the journeyer stages. That's episode 112 and episode 53. Okay, these next couple of questions are from listeners, journeyers who want to understand more about balancing or talking about this with their partner. So the first question is from Jalandra, who left a voicemail, and then I'm going to actually read Valentina's question. So let's hear from Jalandra first. Hi, Jamila. I live with my husband and my son in the Los Angeles area. My son is medically complex. I am having a lot of struggles with my husband around money. We've been married for seven years. When we got married, he was the one with better credit and sort of more financial knowledge. And I really didn't stand up to him when it came to financial issues. But we've been married seven years now, and I've really been struggling for that entire seven years to get my husband to combine finances, to make a budget, to make a savings plan. And pretty much every time I have this conversation, he says, there's no way we could possibly spend less money, that the only answer to our problems is to move to a cheaper city, that there's no point in paying off low interest debt because it's just like having free money. You know, these are the things that he says to me. We've been having these conversations for a while. I'm just getting very frustrated. I've managed to do some things on my own with paying off personal debt and building up an emergency fund. But I think that I'm at the point with our household expenses where I can't do much more without his cooperation. Um, so it's been a long time and I don't know kind of what the next move is to try to make a plan together as a team. I would really appreciate any insight that you could give us. Thanks. Okay, Jalandra, I'm so happy you asked that question and congrats to you for just getting the confidence and doing what you need to do to get your financial things in order. Because I think sometimes that happens for so many, especially women, um, that you maybe think, oh, I wasn't good at this, or maybe someone else as a partner is better. And then you take the back seat and don't think that you can get better. But it looks like you took control and you did what you had to do. Um, so Kudos to you for doing that. Um, I think this idea of you not being on the same page with your husband, something stood out for me when you said you felt like you weren't standing up to him and it's been a struggle really since the beginning. So it sounds like maybe because he he had more confidence and maybe had the better track record financially, then it set this basis up for him to be the expert in the relationship or you to kind of sit back. And I think... Already, just from your use of words, it sounds like you didn't have any power financially there. And now things have changed where you've learned probably so much um, that you you have a say. I mean, and so you want to be able to contribute in a way in which he listens to you. So there's a few things I feel like that may be going on. But first, I do want to talk about like money and relationships. So we've had a couple episodes. Um, The most recent one was episode 139. So check that out um, with your husband if he wants to listen, where we really um, tackled finances and like 
how to talk about money with like a real life couple who was talking about how hard it was to get on the same page and why it was so important to get on the same page, Lido and Shamika. So check that out with your husband if you want. But one of the things that stood out for me was that, you know, a lot of times when we talk about money, like that's just like one part of the thread that holds the relationship together. Like there's a big old fabric, right? With lots of threads. Money is a very integral part of it. But if the threading and the overall basis of the quilt is shaky or or faulty and all the, the you know, the weavings are thin, then yes, money will seem like it's the biggest or the main cause of the issue when really the underlying, like what the, the material used to make the quilt needs work. So all that meaning um, the foundation needs work. So I'm not, you know, I don't know about your relationship in general, but I often find that sometimes when it comes to money, if there's issues about money, then there may be issues in other areas. Um, so just to make sure that the foundation is strong, because if you don't have a strong foundation or good communication issues outside of money, and then you throw money into the mix when you're both not on the same page, things can seem really out of whack. And it's not to say that if things are going really well in a relationship overall and there's respect and communication that you won't have money issues. But I just think that if there are overall communication and respect and just issues in general, that money will only just basically highlight those issues. And then it just seems like money is the problem. Um, and you did mention that you have a, a son that has, it seems like some medically, some medical stuff going on. And as a mom, myself, just having kids, like just having kids in, in general can be stressful. So to have that thrown into the situation can also add to stress. So I would say this. I think that it's really hard for two um, separate people who have two separate experiences with money and goals and all that to come together oftentimes when both people are not listening to each other or are not really taking into account what the other person is feeling. So apart from just like a baseline of communication, it sounds like you two need to sit down. And again, this is going to be multiple conversations. This is not going to be fixed in one conversation or overnight. But to really, really understand um, what it is that the two of you really want. Um, because if his goals are different from your goals, like personally, right? Like what you want and what he want are totally different. You need to understand what that is and why they're different. And if there's a way that you can simultaneously create goals together, but then also have goals that are separate. I feel like, especially with kids, it's easier when everyone's on the same page and everything is combined, but not everyone feels that way, right? So it sounds like for him, he's saying, we live in LA, it's expensive. The only way we can change this is to move. And it sounds like maybe you're coming from the idea of, well, maybe we can do other things. So he may have a point, right, with where you live and how much you make, but you have a point too with maybe you can be more strategic with how you spend and what's going on. So I think the main thing, especially I find for maybe if you are the one that's like totally into podcasts. So here's the thing that happens, it even happened with me, is that when I started my journey, I was all in because I was listening to podcasts. So often on my commute, I was reading blogs. I was like getting inspired, like, wow, I can do this. My husband, on the other hand, he was living his life. He didn't know any of this world existed. So while I was getting hype and having my epiphanies and like seeing the normal everyday person on a podcast retiring early and saying, I can do that too. He was just living his life because no one in our circle or he had no access to that kind of inspiration and information. So when I came and told him all this stuff about financial independence, he was just like, 
where's okay, like, that's not the real world kind of almost. And so it took conversations for me to express to him that this could be done. And part of that was showing him the numbers. So what I find, and I don't know, I, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical here, but I find that with men and most people, but with men, they need to see like numbers. So it really helped when I sat down and showed my husband what we could do together if we set these goals, meaning, okay, if we saved and invested this much more every year, in 10 years, we have, we will have this much. In 15 years, we'll have this much. So when he saw the numbers on how much we could have together, how much our net worth could be, he got more excited versus me just saying, Oh, we should just, you know, um, save half our income and we can retire. Like that was, that kind of just seemed very like, okay, that sounds like a good dream, but how is that real? But when I sat down and say, Hey, if we saved, just throwing out a number, $20,000 a year for the next 10 years, with compound interest, it's going to be worth this much. Our net worth will be this much. Our retirement accounts will be worth this much. He was like, oh, you know, we could be millionaires by the time we're 55 by not changing that much, you know? And so that got him excited. And so I think maybe starting from there with sitting down, really coming to terms and saying, like, look, here's what I've been learning. I'd love for you to like, listen to something or read a blog and understanding too, if he's not ready or he doesn't, he's not into it. He doesn't have to be like, my husband does not listen to financial independence podcasts and read blogs. That's not his thing. And that's okay. But I think if you can start sharing things with him to make him excited, right? Like what, what gets him going? Like, is it that he wants to take more trips? Does he want a nice car one day? Or does he want to live this lifestyle? Is there a way that you guys can come to an idea or agreement on what that looks like together, right? Maybe that does involve, okay, hmm, do we have to consider moving outside of LA do we have to consider earning more money? Should we consider um, investing it separately or doing things differently, right? All these things, put it on the table and talk about it. And also remember, this will not all get accomplished in one sitting. I'm telling you right now, don't. So sometimes the expectation is because you've come to the like idea that, you know, you want things to be one way that you just want the other person to hurry up and like get on board. Like the train is moving. If you get on the train too, we'll go faster. But, you know, unfortunately, that's not how it always works. Um, but give it patience. As long as I'm assuming there's a level of communication and respect here that if you came to him and really with multiple conversations, we're able to talk to him about really how you were feeling Maybe, you know, you can be honest about not feeling like empowered financially that you feel like you didn't, you didn't get a chance to stand up to him, your words about money that that may help start open the lines of communication around this. But I really wish you guys the best of luck. Send him some of my podcasts, you know, maybe find some other, maybe people he can relate to. I also found that if I like sent my husband more stories based on people he could relate to. He was more into that, right? So people learn differently. I can learn from every anyone. Like it doesn't matter your race, gender, what your background is versus some people really like it has to be someone more similar to them. So maybe finding more stories like that may be helpful. So anyway, best of luck to you and your husband, Jalandra, on figuring this out. But I think you, I think you guys will be able to do it. Hopefully you can. And then Valentina I'm actually just going to paraphrase her question. So it came in as a voicemail, but it was a little choppy. So I'm just going to read it. And really, Valentina wants to know when she sits down with her husband to talk about how to get started, what should they focus on? What questions should they ask? And this is another good one. So I kind of covered some of it in this previous questions answer. 
But when I think back to getting my husband on the same page, some of the key questions that really helped lay a good foundation for us is I asked him and asked myself. So we sat down and we talked about what kind of life we'd want to live in our traditional retirement years. So my husband, he, cause he's a teacher, he can retire at 55. So I made that like the baseline of at 55 years old, um, if you could and we could live the life that would make us happy, what would that look like? You know, we kind of foresaw like how old our kids would be. So we kind of like fast forward and said, well, you know, we want to live this kind of lifestyle. We want to be able to travel and we want to still be able to eat. Like we kind of like envision that. So what lifestyle do you want to live in the future? And then I asked about what lifestyle do we want to live now that will make us happy? Right. Because I am not one for deprivation and just saving everything for 10, 15 years from now. How can we live and enjoy life today? And so that also involved, well, we still want to go out to eat. Travel is not as important, even though it's it's getting to be a little bit more important as we get older, I think. But for us, we really sat down and like kind of made a list of what will it take to have a good life later? What will it take to have a good life now? And how can we balance that? And with that, you know, like I said, travel for us wasn't as important when we first started this journey because we knew we'd want to do more of it when we got older. And so for us, traveling wasn't a huge part of our budget. We cut a lot of that out or we travel hacked to travel for free or low cost. But, but we, but our goals I know in the future are to travel a little bit more and to travel more luxury versus budget the way we travel now, right? So we started to think like that. And so what changes do we have to make now that we can afford that lifestyle later, but still enjoy going out to eat? Right. So those two questions, I think, are super important. What you want to do later and how that feels and what you want to do now and how that makes you feel. But then also talking about your goals. The other thing about goals is making sure you still include individual goals. So you have goals together as a family, what you want to accomplish, whether that's maybe buying a house together. Maybe you're going to have kids and you want to talk about what that looks like, you know, where you want to send them to school and how much you want to pay for that. Right. And there are still going to be some individual things that you may enjoy. So one of the things that I always bring up because I think it's important is to recognize is that for me, like cars are not a big deal, right? Like I'm fine. My husband, I know that he wants a nicer car (laughs) than the one he has now. So I feel like his personal goal is to get a nicer car one day. It's not my personal goal, but it's something that I know that it's on his list. And it's like, if I can help towards that one day, I'd love to do that. And so I think identifying individual goals outside of your relationship, but then making your relationship and family goals, the important ones that you stay focused on important because that makes everyone feel like their goals are getting heard and that you're working towards it. Uh, so I wish you the best of luck um, to get to that point, Valentina. It sounds like you already, you know, the fact that you are newlyweds, because that's what her question I mentioned. I didn't say that in the question at first, but she said they recently got married and that they're working on this together already and they're going to sit down, I think is amazing. So good luck and good job on just thinking about this already so early on in your marriage. Okay, question five is from Krista. Let's hear Krista's actually, um, I think I've answered Krista's question before on the podcast and she sent in the second question. So let's hear it from Krista. Hi, Jamila. My name is Krista. I am a new journeyer. I've been listening for almost two years now. This is actually my second voicemail that you will respond to. I am debating between going to FinCon 2020 and Financial Summit 2020 that you will be at in May. My question, 
which would you recommend a new journeyer to attend? To my understanding, FinCon 2020 is for content creators, people in the fire business and influencers and the such versus financial summit, which gives you resources for new journeyers such as myself who are fire aspirers. Thanks again for all you do. Okay. Another great question because it's a valid one. Krista is asking FinCon versus Financial Freedom Summit. So FinCon is the conference that I've talked about um, for the past couple of years. It's for personal finance and finance content creators. So if you are in the media space or you're a content creator, you have a podcast or blog or video channel, or you have some fintech company and you want to connect with other creators, FinCon is the place to be. I always talk about FinCon changing um, the trajectory of Journey to Launch by attending because of like meeting everyone in person that I met the first year I went, creating these awesome connections that you can't create online, right? As nice as you can be online and connect, it's different when you meet in person. And then it's also just inspiring to see, sometimes you'll see like people who are doing the work you want to do or who have amassed the impact that you probably want to amass and to be in the rooms with them, to connect and to just learn from them is really special. So FinCon is really for people who want to get started in that space, who are already in the space, but want to get connected more. I recommend FinCon. The Financial Freedom Summit. Yes, I am going to be at the Financial Freedom Summit it's by Grant Sabatier. He's been on the podcast a couple times. Um, it's from May 1st to 3rd in St. Louis, Missouri, 2020. And so I'm going to be um, there as a speaker. And I'm really excited about this conference because it's definitely different than FinCon. So FinCon is more based on creators and us creating content and connecting with each other. The Financial Freedom Summit is more for you, like a listener, if you're not like interested at all in like creating a blog or content, you just want to reach financial freedom and you want to learn strategies to do that and to connect with more people, more journeyers, more people who are just like on this journey, then the Financial Freedom Summit would be more of a fit because there is where you're going to connect and learn and really see um, what it looks like to achieve financial freedom from different people, right? Like on the journey at different levels. So I would say it depends on like your where, like what you're approaching this as. As just someone who consumes content and just wants to learn and reach your goals without being a content creator, then go to the Financial Freedom Summit. If you have an idea that you want to create a blog or podcast and you want to network and connect with like-minded creators, then FinCon would be for you. So if you actually do want to go to the Financial Freedom Summit, it's May 1st to 3rd in St. Louis, then come join us. You can go by picking up your ticket at journeytolaunch.com slash Freedom Summit. Okay, last question. This question is from Raina. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Raina sent in an email. So I'm going to try and summarize it and um, read it a bit for you. So she says, my name is Raina. I'm a fan of the podcast and I am a marketing, a product marketing manager. What my professional title doesn't say about me is that I'm 25 years old from a loving home of two Filipino American immigrants with grit. And I've made my way to the six figure club at 23 years old. As someone who's grew up in a low-income community, I've devoted years of my life to paying it forward by mentoring 20 underrepresented high school students and, no joke, at least coached 50-plus undergrads in their career journey. 
On my path to financial independence, I've been reflecting on what side hustle I can do and quit my day job. I've been told numerous times that I should start my own career coaching practice, as well as coach high school, college applicants in their personal statements. What's prevented me from moving forward is a sense of guilt that if I start this business, then I'd be likely advantaging the majority upper white class Americans. By doing so, I'd be disadvantaging the same community of people of color, low income folks that I've worked so tirelessly to uplift. Am I crazy to not start this business? I don't have any entrepreneurs in my family or network, and I don't know how to feel about it. I would love your thoughts. Okay, this is a great question, Raina, because I'm there's so much to unpack and to just pull out from what you've said. So first of all, being 25 years old, already at the six-figure mark, I'm assuming that's you're earning six figures of income. Amazing, amazing. And to come from, you know, immigrant parents, I'm sure they're so proud of you. And it sounds like you're doing amazing things for your community. So your question about starting a business. Now, I'm wondering why you think starting this business um, of career coaching or helping college students would prevent you from also still helping people of color or people in your community. Like there's a couple of ways you would be able to approach this. Now, first, um, you can help whoever you want to help, right? Like you can literally, like you can actually have your company really be geared more for people of color and disadvantaged people, right? You can do that if you wanted. You can also just target people at depending on your price point of who can pay you whatever it is that you're looking to get paid as an entrepreneur. But I want to make clear that your success does not mean anything negative for anyone else. Your success actually helps more people, no matter who you're serving. So if your business serves whoever is paying you, and that allows you to have more money to help more people personally or to start a foundation that is helping your community. So oftentimes I find that there's this guilt level that gets associated with, especially people of color, of if I do too well, then I'm leaving my people behind. And then that prevents you from soaring the highest heights that you can. When in fact, you becoming the wealthiest you can become, you being able to impact as many people only allows your impact in your community to be greater. And so, you know, sometimes that might mean if you stay, let's just say like you could be someone who's not even like directly in community services, but you make six figures or are a wealthy person. But the more money that you have now, you can start a foundation. You can donate your time, your money to other foundations that do that. And so I just want us to be very clear and to know that our success does not mean that it's a disadvantage to anyone else. Making more money being successful monetary wise is actually a good thing. And I think sometimes because of the way we've been brought up, especially if we've been brought up in, in communities or with the thought process that people with money, you know, are selfish or don't do enough, then you kind of get afraid that, well, if I become this person with money, I'd be looked at differently. Right. Or I won't be like in the grit with the people who need me. And really what most people, what most communities need is to see someone who looks like them succeeding in ways that they never thought possible before. And so I would definitely, one, I mean, I am all for entrepreneurship. Hello, like I'm an entrepreneurship. I'm, I'm an entrepreneur now. 
But um, before you would make a leap like that, one, I would just caution just to say, make sure you're prepared. It sounds like you're young, 25. I'm not sure if you have kids, but this is like the perfect time to do something like this on the side while still working. So have your full-time job fund your business. Have that be your first investor. Have, you know, build up enough money so that you have this runway to do something like this. Get your enough clients, get that sorted out. And the fact that, you know, sounds like, again, you don't have any kids, you didn't mention that, but you have a lot more time in the day to be able to work and do this on the side to build it up. But please make no mistake about it that one, you could literally start a career or coaching practice to help people of color, right? Like that could be your niche, right? Like I have a friend, like her niche is helping women of color, specifically black women in corporate America. That is her company. So she is helping to to do that directly, right? Or you can have a company that is more like I, you know, I'm a career coach and I help whoever, right? doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, of one race. And that still helps your community because one, they see someone who looks like them doing it. And two, the more money you make, the more money you have to invest back into maybe a program, a nonprofit that you start, or you're able to then maybe offer maybe low cost or free services to other people in the community. So please don't let your idea of soaring in this way feel like it would take away from something else or someone else in your community. I think it would only benefit them. <sighs> okay, I feel like that was the longest Q&A episode I've ever done, but I really hope you enjoyed that. And if you want any of the episode show notes for this episode, I know I mentioned a bunch of links here, but really all you have to do is go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 145. This is episode 145. And let me know what you thought on social media. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook as at Journey to Launch. Take a screenshot, share this with your family and friends, and let me know what stood out, what you're going to take and apply to your life. Don't forget to grab your free Journey or Jumpstart guide so you can get guided on the best ways to utilize all this great information from the podcast and from my content and where to begin your journey to financial freedom by texting LAUNCH to 33777. Or go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. And then as always, it doesn't matter where you listen. Just continue to rate, review, and subscribe so you do not miss an episode. All right. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.